You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about being filled with the Holy Spirit and having a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you, you've been longing for a kind of life where you are uh, someone who overflows with good things. You, you've been longing for a kind of life where your heart is full, where you are satisfied. And your satisfaction is not just for yourself, but it overflows so that you can bless others. And yes, you've been longing for this life where you are the person others receive from. Maybe you thought about it. Maybe that's why you work so hard, because you want to be someone that other people can count on. Where you're the person that other people like to be around. You're the person that radiates that kind of peace, that kind of joy that people uh, look for, that people desire. That you're the person who shares strength with others. And this is not a selfish feeling. And I believe many of us have this feeling. It's not a selfish feeling because it's not that you want to be important. It's not that you want to show off. You want that because you want to be useful. You want your life to be meaningful. You've already lived long enough to figure out that the best way to be meaningful is for you to be useful toward others. It's for you to be useful in someone else's life. So you want your life to have a positive effect on others. And maybe because of that, you're trying to get rid of all the problems. Maybe because of that, you're trying to move forward. You have plans for your life, financial plans, relationship plans. And you're trying to make way and and, and get ahead. Maybe you're trying to make some money or have uh, resources to bless others or some other thing that you're lining up. And for you, that's the dream. That, That would get you to the place where you can be useful and bless other people. I pray today that your spiritual eyes are open to two truths that might go along, if not that supersede uh, those plans. And the first truth is this, is that the reality that we miss what we have never had. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Every single one of us. We get to a point in life where we miss, we long, we miss things that we have never had. And it might throw you off because you're like, how can I miss something that I've never had? We have this strange feeling that is constantly with us or maybe we've had it in the past at some point. And I hope your spiritual eyes are open open to this longing in your soul because this longing is important. It has a very important function In your life, and if you pursue the wrong things because of this longing, it can get you in a lot of trouble. It can get you in a lot of disappointment and regret. And some of you, you can look back in your life and you go, like, that's what was driving me to those decisions. It's this longing that I have for what I've never had. That's why I made that that poor choice. That's why I engaged in that relationship. That's why I, I went off track. The second truth is this. That what we miss, that thing we miss, is not material, but it's spiritual. 
And we live in a world that's material. We live in a world that to touch, to see, to, to be able to experience physically is the highest, uh, the highest experience of truth and reality. And, and I want to take you further than that to, to understand that the deepest things you can experience and, and have in life are not material. They actually are spiritual. And we all try to grasp things that were within reach, right? And, and these things are not bad. It's not to say that natural things are bad because they might be good things. Things like good accomplishments, education, family life, success in business. It's not that those things are useless. They are not useless and the pursuits are useless. They are not useless. They just have a different utility. They have a utility. They are good, but they are different. They address different problems. They address different things and they are of a different nature. Things that are natural are of a different nature from things that are spiritual and supernatural. It's like this. It's like trying to solve a math problem. You have a, a math problem. And you need to, to solve that math problem. And, and to solve that math problem, you go have an ice cream. Well, an ice cream is good, especially after 21 days fast from sugar. But it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. You can have your ice cream, have it all over your face, dripping on your shirt, all over your beard. But at the end of the ice cream, when you're satisfied from all the sugar rush, all the fudge that they put over the... I don't know why I'm spending so much time on the ice cream. <laughs> the math problem is still going to be there. You get it? Like one thing is not like the other. And what you are doing and pursuing right now may be addressing some things. It may be addressing some of the important things that you need to address in your life, but you will not address that longing that thing that you miss you will not address it so you may say wait how can you miss what you've never had how can you miss what you've never experienced i have a, a story to tell you that happened to us um, and it came to my heart as i was writing this message uh, some of you know our story we, when we first moved to connecticut to plant this church we were working to launch this church and those were busy days we're connecting to people we're meeting people we're, we're going to all sorts of meetings to just try to meet people because we, we basically it's what in church planting what they call is a parachute launch right like you just parachute into a town you don't know anybody you have no connections you've never been here and you're just going because you felt called and that's our story like we just came to stanford because we felt called and we started trying to meet people uh to start the church and we met all sorts of people and and, but those were busy days. And about six months before we were supposed to launch this church, we were supposed to launch it in September 2014. Uh, <clears throat> we didn't, though, and this is why. My wife was found to be with child. And that was a surprise. Six months before we were supposed to launch a church. And we're like, uh. And then we went to the doctor and... We were surprised again because he was, she was found to be with children, not child. And uh, we all not only found that she had twins in her precious belly, but uh, they were what is called a mono-mono 
pregnancy. So they had to be born early. They were born about two months early, and immediately they went into the intensive care unit for 28 days. They were in incubators, you know, the blue light for jaundice, and their lungs were still developing. They couldn't breathe, so they had the big tubes pumping oxygen. They couldn't eat, so they had the tube to feed them. It was a whole thing. We couldn't hold them for almost two weeks before we actually could hold our babies. And that was a tough season. And during that whole time, 28 days when they were in the intensive care unit, my eldest daughter, she couldn't visit the kids during the weekdays. She could only go in for about an hour, I think it was the the limit on children, on the weekends. And during that period, it was a tough period. During that period, uh, God put in the heart. Well, before that period, actually. But during that period, we had somebody that came here. God put in the heart of a, of a sweet, sweet woman by the name of Bianca Chaco. If you ever meet Bianca Chaco, buy her lunch because she's amazing. We love you, Bianca, if you ever watch this. Bianca quit her job in Houston because she felt led of the Lord to quit her job in Houston to come stay with us for free just to be with us. And she said, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. And the feeling is so strong. I'm doing it. I'm coming. And we were like, come on over. It's great. And then we found out all of these things about the pregnancy. So what would happen is we would go daily to Danbury to visit our kids. And Bianca would stay with Maya, our eldest. She was three and a half at the time. And Maya only got to see her, her sisters maybe six times during that period. And... We were in that process. The emotions were so high. It was such a difficult season. Um, and and when, when it came time for us to, to get the babies out, when it came the day for them to be released, all the numbers, uh, they reached their numbers, and the doctors felt strong that they could come home and, and, and survive. We went to sign the papers. And, and when, you're, when you're in a season of tension and pressure for so long, and especially, we act this way. We just, we just take care of business. So we feel the feelings, but we, we move. We, we got to go, right? So we, we keep going. And so we were there signing the papers. We didn't think about taking pictures. None, none, none of this emotional stuff, you know, like, oh, let's just sulk here for a minute. Let's stay in the house. No, for now, let's get them out and let's go. We're going home. So we did that. We signed the papers and we were happy. I mean, it was an emotional day and there were some tears and and in that mindset, I grabbed the, the two car seats. Alini had the diaper bags with all the paperwork. And I'm walking out of the NICU, which was a secluded place, an uh, isolated place. And as I'm walking out, Maya had her little hands on the glass on the outside of the intensive care unit. And as we came around the corner... With the two babies, she just started jumping for joy. And that's when it hit me of, of the magnitude of that moment. I'm walking out with the two babies, and she's jumping. My sisters, my sisters, my little sisters are coming home, my sisters. And she's jumping. And it dawned on me, uh, we brought her here from Texas. And she was surrounded by friends when, when, when she was little. But for a whole year... All she had was mom and dad. She didn't know anybody. We didn't know anybody. So she had no friends. She had no other kids that she was interacting with. She was missing what she never had. The idea of having sisters forever, of having somebody to share life with another child. She was an only child, but not anymore. 
Now her sisters are coming home and she'll have these two sisters to play with and to enjoy. And we all go through that in life sometimes. We miss what we never had. And when we see it, when we spot it, our hearts just leap for joy. And I got to tell you today that what you're missing, the thing that that your soul yearns for and longs for is the life of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit brings an even more intense level of joy. A much more profound level of satisfaction than my little daughter experienced that day. The Holy Spirit is what brings us the joy and the peace and the love that we long for. Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He was telling him that he was going away. And and the disciples were, were Puzzled because they thought he was going to become king. They thought that through Jesus' wisdom and leadership, the, the kingdom of Israel was going to be restored. And Israel would become an empire, once again, a superpower to rule the world. They thought Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. And Israel will be the nation commanding the world. No longer Rome will be in power. That's what they had in mind. And Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. I'm going. They were, they were, they were puzzled. That's because they were wrong. Jesus didn't come to rule the world. Jesus came to save the world. And as he shared with them that he was going to leave, he explains why it was important that he would leave this earth. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Those three very important words. If you, if you highlight your Bible, those are things that you need to highlight. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is Judge. So Jesus is sharing the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the role of the Holy Spirit in the world. And so often we, we forget that we have this amazing relationship with a God who is present and who is here and who is guiding us. So these are the three areas that the Holy Spirit guides us in. He convicts us of sin. This is very important because sin ruins everything. Sin messes us up, man. It messes everything up. That means that when you're filled by the Holy Spirit, you gain this this sense. There's a spiritual revelation. There's a spiritual intuition, if you will. Where something on the inside convicts you of actions that you take or actions that you've taken. And this is very strange and maybe weird for people who just started following Christ. Because if you come from a, um, a, of no spiritual background or if you, if you haven't really followed Christ for real and church has just been something that you did because it was tradition, family tradition. When you begin to follow Christ for real with a devoted heart, there is this sense that just awakens in you where you, you, just, you don't feel right about things that were just normal to you before. And it's so odd because you're like, I used to do this all the time. I used to say this all the time. I used to use this language all the time. I used to do these things all the time. But now something in me tells me I shouldn't do it. Like I shouldn't go that route. I shouldn't do these things. See, before you begin to follow Jesus, you were living blinded to sin. And you did whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. And you didn't, there was no real check until it was too late, right? Until something blew up in your face. 
like ending a 21 day of fast with Chipotle. Don't do that. It's bad. <laughs> you, will, you will do yoga without wanting child's pose. <laughs> In your couch, just curled up. Won't be pretty. But when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, when you have Christ in your life, immediately there is a sense on the inside, I shouldn't do that. That's not for me. I'm called to live higher. I'm made for something better than this. Or just a straight up, that's wrong. Don't get involved in that. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin. What, what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. It's an archery term that's, that says you di- you're not going to hit the bullseye. You haven't hit the bullseye. So don't do that. And our, our actions is not the only thing that the Holy Spirit warns us. It's also our nature. There are certain things in us that might be warped, certain tendencies that we have. And the Holy Spirit will say, you got to keep a check on that. You shouldn't be exposed to that substance or this group of people or this kind of action because for you, it's going to be a slippery slope. So the Holy Spirit, they, it guides us toward healing and toward a life that's wholesome. The second thing that, that Scripture says is it convicts us of righteousness. What is that? Well, Jesus said it convicts you of righteousness because I'm no longer here. Jesus was in person, present on the earth, the barometer, the measure of what righteousness was for every single one of his disciples. So they were thinking, if you leave, who's going to guide us? And he said, the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will be the one giving you direction. See, the Holy Spirit is not just, He's not at all. The Holy Spirit is not a nagging voice telling you what you're doing wrong. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides you. He guides you, your life to the way that is right. The way that is right. Righteousness, right? The Holy Spirit fills us with the ways of God. And He points us to the right path. He directs our steps. In spite of our shortcomings, in spite of the things that that we can't do right, He guides us. So He will lead you outside of yourself to be a person of integrity, to be somebody who shines with righteousness. And that's what we want, right? We want to shine with righteousness and integrity. And the third thing that Jesus shared is that the Holy Spirit convicts, convicts us of judgment. Now, this is a very important part of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's very important because too many people nowadays, they live like they answer to nobody. And this is a problem. Because when you live like you answer to no one, all hell breaks loose. And I do mean hell. When you live like you answer to no one, you have no accountability. There's nothing holding you accountable in your actions or in what you do. Every functioning member of society understands this. That we have a responsibility to one another. If you don't understand this, it's going to be really hard for you to live in a society. But because we're responsible to one another in marriage, you answer to your spouse. And this is not a power dynamic. This is a dynamic of relationship. It's a commitment thing. And that's good. Same thing at work or other family uh, dynamics or friendship dynamics. The reason being is because answering to no one means you care for no one means you don't care about anybody now of course when you care that means you answer and the holy spirit reminds us that we have an ultimate judge and that god is the ultimate judge and that god is righteous and we answer to 
God. And we all need that. We all need to know that we answer to God. We all need to know that one day, every single one of our of us, every single one of us, every single one of us will give an account for our actions. Every single one of our actions will have to be accounted for before God. And living like that is not living in fear. Living like that guides us and directs us. It helps us live to live right. Because we have a righteous judge that knows our shortcomings, that forgives us, and that sees the intention of our heart to do right. Now, there's one more thing that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, which is important. And that's the thing that brings us this sense of revival as well. The Holy Spirit fills us with the power of God. And it's a very unique thing, a very unique experience. Jesus said in Acts chapter, chapter 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, let me tell you this. The word power there, the original is dunamis. And the word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite from. It really means a burst of energy. You'll receive a burst of energy when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What's interesting is that we're here today, 2,000 years later. We are the ends of the earth. And, and, and what Jesus said happened. People have been witnessing because of the power of the Holy Spirit. They've been witnessing about Christ and witnessing about a life, what a life with Christ is like. Through millennia. And it has reached us all the way here. And it all began 10 days later. 10 days after Jesus shared uh, that, that pass, in that passage. Jesus said that. The Holy Spirit descended on his disciples. It's all in Acts 2. I encourage you to read it uh, in, in the book of Acts chapter 2. And, and if you read it, you will notice those four things that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. You will notice conviction of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, and the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came. See, when the Holy Spirit came, it says in the scripture that uh, it was on the day of Pentecost and there was a sound of a mighty wind that filled the room. And when they heard the sound, it says that they began to see flames of fire resting over the disciples. Now, the disciples had been in that room for 10 days after Jesus ascended, but it was the same room where Jesus had um, the, the Last Supper. So from basically... Uh, from uh, the, why am I forgetting the, the word? It's uh, the weekend of Passover. Ah. <laughs> the weekend of Passover is when Jesus uh, died, right? And the weekend of Pentecost also coincides with a Jewish feast, which is the feast of the harvest. There's 50 days roughly between those two, those two feasts. And so they had been in that space for that whole time. And Scripture says there were about 120 of them in the upper room when this happened. When they heard the sound and the flame of fire came over them and rested them. And this is what happened. They began to speak in other tongues. 
Now, this is a very interesting thing because during that feast, there were people from all over the world. And you got to think about first century uh, village where there's no noise pollution, right? You don't have traffic noise. You just have people on their, either their animals or on foot. And they are in a room that's open. It has windows. It has a hall. It's an echoey room. And so 120 people just praying loudly, people will hear. And that's exactly what happened. Everybody from the town and the, and the tourists from the town or the people from out of town, the foreigners, started coming into that place to see what's going on. And Scripture says that about 3,000 people came to Christ that day. Peter began to preach uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he preached, you will see that he talked about sin. He talked about righteousness. He talked about uh, judgment. And their reply in, 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 in witnessing the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of God was like, what shall we do? What do we need to do to engage in this kind of life? And that's what Peter said. You ought to repent, get baptized, and join in, man. Join the party. Now, the, the million-dollar question is this. How can you and I be filled with the Spirit? And how do we know? And this is, this is more of a lesson, more of a teaching that I'm giving it to you today because I really want to see 2022 be a year where we are aware of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As a church, as followers of Christ, where we are aware that the Holy Spirit is present, that He's guiding us, and that He's filling us with power. And that can change everything in our lives. The first thing that we learn from the scripture that happened in Acts 2 and we learn subsequently in the letters of Paul and the Peter is what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when that burst of power, when the spirit of the power of God enters your life and you receive that dunamis, that burst of power in, in, in a moment in your life. Just like the day of Pentecost, we can experience that. And it happens when you're seeking the presence of God so intensely that nothing else enters your mind. That your heart and your spirit are so intensely and attentively searching for God and desiring God. That you're not coming to Him because of petitions. You're not coming to Him because of circumstances that you're facing. You're not coming to Him because of something else. It is not something else that has arrested your soul and you have no other recourse but to pray. But you're coming to God because you desire God. You're coming to God's presence because you want who he is in your life you want his love you want his his attributes in your life that's when the holy spirit enters your life and you have, you sense the burst of power the second part that we learn is that it is the 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 consistency of living spirit filled because so many times we, we can come to church and have an experience with god but then we don't know how to live it every day and we go from experience to experience to experience without actually engaging and being transformed. So it is important not only to have a Holy Spirit encounter where you sense that power, right? And it could happen right here where we're in a moment of worship and, and your spirit is elevated and you focus on God and you sense His presence. You're brought to tears and you've, you just, you're sure the Holy Spirit is here. And I, my life has been changed today. But to live spirit-filled is another thing. It has to do with how we lead our lives. Now, I want to teach you something very important from the Bible today. And, and this might be 
strange if you're new, especially if you're not from, from a, <coughs> if you didn't grow up Pentecostal or charismatic, like this is, this is going to, but just stay with the weird, okay? Stick with, I'm going to share some things that might sound weird, but stay with the weird with me here, okay? Uh, uh, stay with me for a minute. If you have been in church for a while, maybe you've experienced this, or especially, if, like I said, if you're from a Pentecostal tradition, that in, in certain churches, in certain environments, there's only one evidence that you need to pursue to show that you're filled with the Spirit. And that evidence is speaking in tongues, right? Now, I believe in speaking in tongues 100%. This might weird you out. I believe it is a gift of the Spirit. It, you can read in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul gives a very well explanation there, a very good explanation uh, about the Holy Spirit and, and, and the gift of speaking in tongues. We might think it's you know, odd, it might be weird. It's not the only weird thing in the gospel. Paul says that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, right? But if you think about it, if you just give it some thought, right? If you're mental, like a brainiac, you, you, you think about language. Language is weird, isn't it? Just think about it. We all have come to a consensus that these sounds that I'm making mean something. And as I make these sounds, you understand them. But these are sounds that are reserved for those who speak English. If you go to a different country, there's completely different sounds. People who are bilingual, they understand that. That you can't make the same sounds in one place and you do the other. So to me, it wouldn't be completely... I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination. It's not hard to conceive that the God who spoke the world into existence, who spoke things into existence by His power would affect our speech, right? And, and while the gift of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us several gifts, the specific gift of speaking in tongues, what if, what if it's God awakened? Because think about this. The English language wasn't even alive when Jesus was on earth. There was no such thing as English. And Aramaic, which is the language that, that Jesus spoke in certain occasions, doesn't exist anymore. It's dead. Nobody speaks it anymore. So I like to think that when the Holy Spirit gives people these gifts, like we had an experience when I was growing up in our church where this lady started praying and she just switched her language. And there was some guys that were right next to her that were visiting our church. They were from Russia. They were basketball players. had never been in a church before. And they understood what she was saying. And it was so odd. I knew this lady and I heard from them first, first, like, from first, first hand. Thank you. I'm looking at them right now. They're right here. I don't know why the words are not coming to me today. Maybe it's the sugar and I got to get some sugar, honey. Right? So I, I, I've seen this happen. So in my mind, I'm like, what if God, by his infinite power, gives people the gift of speaking languages that were once dead or languages that are not even alive yet? Languages that are going to be born so that in his presence, every tongue may praise him on earth on earth as it is in heaven. What if that's what this is? I mean, I, this is where my mind goes, right? What if the Holy Spirit just gives us the ability to praise him in every language conceivable? And he gives us this gift. I don't, think, I don't understand all the mysteries of God, but I know, that, I know this. The Holy Spirit can fill every single one of us. And 
So I keep my mind and my intellect open to the possibilities of what God can do. Now, while praying the Spirit is a gift, and I wanted to share that, and, and I do believe that speaking in tongues is part of being uh, filled with the Spirit. It is not the evidence, the single evidence, that's th- that you're filled with the Spirit. That you're walking in the Spirit. Does that make sense? Like, I have seen some tongue-speaking people who are as Spirit-filled as a cabbage. Just kind of shoot straight. Spirit-filled? Maybe. Bad husbands, bad wives, cursing people out, cheating on their taxes, trying to take advantage of people on business, being shady on how they act with other people, gossip. You can, you can have a gift and not walk in the Spirit. Do you, get, do you get what I'm saying? You can have an experience that takes you to a place where you, you receive the gift because Scripture says that God gives His gift without repentance. So He fills you with gifts, spiritual and natural gifts. And you can use it for good or for evil, right? Now, when it comes to a specific gift of the Spirit, the evidence of the active presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you are leading a life that is in step with the Spirit. Does that make sense? And communing with God leads you to that life. It changes your decisions. It changes your actions. And the evidence is the fruit. So what is the evidence that you're Spirit-filled? Is the fruit of your life. Are you living in step with the Holy Spirit? Are you living in step? Yes, receive the gifts. Yes, use the gift as the Holy Spirit gives it to you. As When the power of God touches your life and that burst of, of energy, as the Scripture says, like a dynamite fills your spirit and you're filled with the Spirit. There's a second step. you got to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Two distinct things, your flesh and your spirit. Those were Spirit-filled. Walk by the Spirit. A Spirit-filled person does not gratify the desires of the flesh, is what Paul is saying here. He continues, verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these are not from the Spirit. Okay? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Of God, There are things that pull you away from God, and those things are not from the Holy Spirit. And then comes the other side. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. What we need to understand is that sometimes we want to have our cake and eat it too. And we want to lead a kind of life that, that is apart from the Holy Spirit, but we want the joy and the peace and the, and the patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And, oh, God, do we want self-control. Of course we want self-control. But when you get involved with the works of the flesh, self-control goes out the window. You get overcome by the craving, and self-control goes out the window. And the same is true with the other aspects. 
So it's important for us to know that those, those things, they are opposite to each other. And the way that we nurture the things that we desire, the things that we're missing, is by living in step with the Spirit. He continues. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit here. We live by the Spirit. Let's also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let me tell you this. Revival comes when we walk by the Spirit. And I believe that God, is one, one, God wants to lead you and wants to lead us. He wants to lead this church to walk in revival in 2022. And I pray that as you are convicted in your spirit by the Holy Spirit of sin. See, I'm, my, my role is not to convict you. Alini's role is not to convict you. Our job as a church is not to convict you. It's not to point the finger and say the Holy That's his job. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And as the Holy Spirit convicts you, you will begin to lead a life that reflects that conviction. And you begin to lead a life where the fruit of your life will be joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and other things. And isn't that the life we want? Isn't that what we desire? Isn't that the life we are missing? Isn't that the life we are longing for? So let me encourage you today. Let 2022 be the year where you live filled with the Spirit. Where your heart yearns for the Holy Spirit. Because He will guide you away from the traps of the enemy. He will guide you away from the traps, emotional traps, mind traps. Let you seek the Spirit of God every day. May you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit where the power of God fills your life. That's when we see revival in the land. And I pray revival begins right here with us in Stanford. And that will affect our community. May this be the upper room where the Holy Spirit meets us this year. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. Awesome.